Hello, good morning. <laughs> I looked at the clock and it was 9.28 two minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Sunday School, everyone. Um, thanks for being with us this morning. Um, we do have a music uh, selection, uh, praise music selection, that I'll play right now while we allow people to get on with us. Uh, it is Emmanuel, the House of Hope Mass Choir. is the Emmanuel song. So I'll play that and we'll let people get on and we'll be back with you in a couple minutes here. This simple song says, come. Come let us adore him. Good morning, Laura. And good morning, Ronnie. Kneel down before him. Worship him. Glad to get on with us, Laura. Fantastic. Mr. Fry. Joanna Stark. Good morning. Amen. We worship you. Hey, Crystal, good morning. Arlen, good morning. Come let us adore him. Come let us adore him. And kneel down before him. Good morning, Liz. Thanks for being here this morning. Good morning, Cindy Phillips. You're coming up. You're coming up. Amen. Good 
things like this morning. I don't have my singing voice. It's just not there. Good morning, Ireland. was Emmanuel, the Emmanuel song uh, by the House of Hope Mass Choir, and that uh, certainly sets the tone for a great morning, uh, indeed. Uh, good morning, Bev. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning as well, too. Um, we, um, uh, of course, hope that all of you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, it was a, certainly, based upon the weather, it was a very quiet Christmas. Uh, you were at home because uh, the weather outside was a uh, very beautiful as far as the, the white Christmas aspect of it was concerned, but it was not a good work day to be out. So we are just thankful to be able to have a place to come together as a family and, and do what we're doing here live online because that's what it would have been <laughs> if it was like today. Uh, we would have been online for sure if we had church. Um, but uh, having said that, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas, had a great holiday. Um, we uh, are moving rapidly into... Uh, time we're talking about the new year, believe it or not. Uh, we, and, and a lot of people can say amen to that and amen again, and amen about a hundred million times. Um, I want you to uh, please stay online with us after Sunday school. Um, there will be a message that should be available uh, and in about 20 minutes or so um, that uh, can be looked at after Sunday school. Um, it is the message uh, preparing for the new year. Uh, things can only get better uh, is the message uh, for this Sunday. We are looking forward to sharing that with you. It's a, it's a somewhat uh, different message, a little bit unorthodox, not, uh, not typical, but it, I would hope that it would be uplifting. Uh, I hope that it would be something that you would uh, uh, enjoy uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just thank uh Thank the Lord for his inspiration for us creatives. Uh, we know what that means. When he inspires us, he gives us a great gift to be able to share. Um, please remember your tithes and offerings. Uh, we, uh, 
the church at the church there will be a, an offering box available for you if you want to go out and uh, hand in your tithes and offerings at 11:30 to 12:30 today at church. That's the time when it would be uh, dropped off 11:30 to 12:30 today. You want to mail your tithes and offerings? Uh, you can do so. Um, the address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road. Uh, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And I trust that while the post office gets caught up with everything, that uh, the, uh, an envelope will go through very quickly. So you can uh, mail your tithes and offering if you're not able to get out and do that. Uh, so please remember to do take care of that. And with that in mind, we're going to uh, move forward. I don't have believe there are any other announcements. We're going to go ahead and move forward with prayer and get started with Sunday school. Amen. Um, so let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and let's get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you set aside for us to be able to join you with uh, just a time where we can sit, sit, our, sit quietly and allow the Spirit now to speak to us. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for being with us wherever we meet, whether it be online or in the church, but we just thank you nonetheless. We thank you for your loving presence in our lives. We thank you for how you look after us. We thank you for you how you look after us as a family, as individually, um, and as a church. We thank you for reminding us to pray for each other as members. We thank you uh, to remember. Thank you for helping us to remember to pray for Jasper, um, and I pray that he is uh, continuing to recover uh, at home. I pray that uh, all is well with him, and uh, that we will. Take him through into the new year, amen? And uh, we just thank you for those, uh, for you looking at us and providing healing where it's needed to be able to accomplish what you had set out to do. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We pray that the lesson uh, that's before us will be imparted through the power of the Spirit and will be meaningful. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are in Ephesians. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Ephesians chapter Five. We're going to continue to the end of the chapter, verses 15 through 33. Uh, that is what we're covering uh, this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 33. And the, con- uh, the theme has been, has it continues to be in Ephesians, about unity in the body of Christ. Uh, unity is so important. We, we have... Uh, a situation where we really truly truly do need to be uh, unified in the body. And it's going to touch on, of course, unity within the church. It's also going to touch on unity within the family. And finally, unity within a married couple, a couples, um, which is something that is necessary. If you're going to have unity in the body, it needs to be unity all the way across the board. In other words, you can't have behavior in church and then have a different behavior at home. Uh, I think that's very clear when it comes to how it all starts with you as an individual and how you're living and how you are uh, being seen uh, as a person who is living for Jesus Christ. Let's do this. Let's go through to the top of Ephesians 5, verse 15, and read through to verse 33. And as we typically do, we go back over the study uh, and go through piece by piece uh, where it's needed. So let's start with verse 15, Ephesians 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, So be careful how you live. Don't live like the fools. Live like fools, but like those who are wise. 
make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, let's go back over this passage. It is obviously very uh, full of uh, passages that you've seen before and uh, separate references, but Let's go back over it, starting at the top again, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be careful how you live. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So we are making a statement here about the time that we live in, and of course the days are evil is a an understatement. Uh, it is something that we certainly understand after the kind of year we've had and and even seeing behaviors of individuals throughout the year. Um, Paul was communicating this to the church because he wanted to convey a sense of urgency to those to the Ephesians to pay attention to what's going on. Um, be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool because you're going to uh, you have to make the most of every opportunity to be believers in Jesus Christ, share the gospel during this time of evilness. Um, we need to have the same sense of urgency in our own lives. We need to make sure that we are paying attention to this very thing. We have every reason to certainly recoil sometimes when we see things happening in our lives. We don't understand them, and we're not going to begin to understand them. But that's not the point. You're just not going to understand it, but you know evil when you see it. And so you know when you know evil when you see it, you want to do everything you can to keep your standards as high as possible. Keep your standards high. Keep your standards high when it comes to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may just have to stop yourself one day and say, Lord, I need to repent. Lord, I need to stop 
Lord, I need to look directly to you and, and look to you in the face and just say, Lord, forgive me for the things I've been doing. Because that's ultimately what we all have to do each and every time when we are in prayer, when we're looking at our lives in prayer after we do our Bible reading. We stop to pray and meditate on his word. And at that time of meditation, every single time that you stop and look at uh, what your life is all about, you need to ask for forgiveness uh, and ask for forgiveness of sin because sin is something we do all the time. So if we're making a regular routine to do this, to look to the Lord, look at his word, look at how his word teaches us and guides us, then we stop ourselves and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I want to have that high standard. I want to have that fellowship time with you. If we're regularly making a practice of that, we need to do it and do it often. And once we finish that and God has forgiven us of our sin because he is faithful and just to forgive us, now we need to go back and do whatever we can to live according to him, live in service of him, live and speak for him. So this is about being careful, being careful about how you live, being focused on what's most important. And that is in having fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's most important. Um, make it a practice to do all those things that we've just discussed uh, every day. Take the time to do so. If you don't do that in a regular practice every day, there will be what I would call slippage. Uh, it's the best way to put it, slippage. Uh, just like a, uh, driving an automobile, when you start hearing the uh, timing belt, uh, the timing, when, when you hear one of the uh, belts on the engine start to slip, it makes a, a squeaky sound. Um, those are some of the older vehicles. I don't know if newer ones do that anymore or not, but, but everyone kind of knows that example. Uh, you, you hear a squeaky sound, that means that belt is slipping, and that's a warning sign. It's a warning sign that it's time to replace that belt before it just snaps all together. Well, we have warning signs in our lives, too, that we need to pay attention to. We need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to have regular fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Regular fellowship, where we are truly looking to him and focusing on what he has us to do. Be thoughtful in your actions. Okay. Now, let's go down to verses 17 in 18 and 19 back in Ephesians chapter 5 don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do verse 18 don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit singing songs psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that finishes out that section. Now let's focus on what verses 18 and 19 have to say. Um, go back to verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I know for a fact that the New Living Translation adds in for the extra emphasis uh, because that will ruin your life, which I'm okay with that. Because if you're drunk with wine all the time, you'd know what that can do to you. Uh, but then at the end of that verse, it says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that uh, the Alliance emphasizes uh, that particular verse. And I think sometimes it throws me because the first part of that verse talks about don't be drunk with wine. Well, I don't drink. Um, but 
a lot of people do and a lot of people have and a lot of people did before they became believers as well too so we understand what the cost of that is if we are uh, drunk with wine because that means we are not uh, acting with the right sense we are not doing the things we should be doing so we know what alcohol does that the effects are obvious uh, but what happens when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit? This is what this verse is trying to emphasize. If the influence should be not from drinking too much. And I don't want to make light of this because um, I know there's someone in my family who has a drinking issue. And I know that that's something that can be very addictive. And it can also be something where you are basically medicating or uh, dealing with internal pain or difficulty when something like that is taking place so I don't want to make light of that at all it's not fun uh, to talk about anything like that is it's a very real thing and many of you who have been close to someone who has been involved with alcoholism know exactly what I'm saying so um, I'm I trust I'm not coming across in any way other than very serious about it but the influence should be in fact on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is what uh, is the great physician, the great healer. He is the one who can heal someone who is having difficulty with alcoholism. Um, we need to look at how Paul is listing three byproducts in this passage in verse 18, uh, verses 18 and 19, excuse me, um, about what the byproducts is of having spirit influence in our lives. Uh, he's mentioning singing. He's mentioning making music. He's mentioning giving thanks, having a thankful heart. This is all part of uh, having the Spirit influence your life. The Spirit's supposed to help to make you feel comfortable, feel joyful, uh, give you energy. Those are all things that the Spirit does. And because the Spirit wants you to live, wants you to live and live for Christ. And so we keep that in mind as we do that. But not only just live for Christ, but live in such a way where you're living the best way you can live. Is the best possible way you can live, by living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Life is enjoyable when you live through the Spirit. Even when things are very, very difficult in your life, life becomes more and more enjoyable uh, when you live for the Spirit. And so it gives you the desire to want to say, praise the Lord. It gives you the desire to want to sing some songs. It, want, it gives you the desire to um, sing the psalms, sing the hymns, um, look at making music, music in your own heart. Um, uh, the message today is actually going to talk about music uh, to a degree, and it's something that is uplifting. Uh, when you have the right music that indeed is uh, gives God the glory, it edifies him, that's exactly what you want in your life. That's what the Spirit does for you. Now, one thing that's important for us to understand, too, is that it doesn't necessarily mean that Everything that you do has to be just discussing as a believer things that are of a religious nature. It means just living your life and enjoying your life. Um, that's what it's all about. He wants you to have an attitude of joy no matter what you're talking about, no matter what you're doing. Uh, are, are you joyful? Uh, in spite of what's going on right now, are you joyful because God has you? Um, we, we use these expressions right now. Um, uh, besides saying morning, uh we use these expressions uh, where uh, God has your back, uh, God has got this, God is with you. He absolutely is. But understand something, we don't just say it, we mean it, because we understand that God indeed does 
have us. He, uh, we are his children. We are sealed uh, by God because of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so that's very important for us to understand as we look at this very closely. We don't have any reason to be down and out. We need to be joyful, thankful, and encourage others as well at the time. We don't whine and complain. Whining and complaining is not something that should be a regular part of a believer's life. We may not like the way things go sometimes. Um, we understand that the world has taken this to an art form, you know, whining and complaining about things, not liking things. Um, we are not to be that way. We are to focus on the goodness of God, focus on what he's done for us and his, the mercies, God's mercy. God has been very merciful. God has been very patient with all of us. Amen? He's been very patient. And so we need to keep that in mind as we look at uh, what he has done for us. Um, so when we look at, look at how you speak, when you look at what you, what you have to say to other people about your life, um, how would you, well, how would others say how you speak? If they, you were to ask them, what do you think they'd say? Uh, I would hope that they would say, um, the speech has been good. It's been very uplifting. It's been very encouraging. Anything that comes out of your mouth should be just that. Verse 21, back to Ephesians chapter 5. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is where we transition into from the behaviors of the church and now getting to the behaviors within a family, and that has to do with couples. Verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, understand something about this passage, because too often... And I'm not going to say believers do it, but I know that too often a lot of people take this passage out of context. And sometimes, uh, in a sinful nature, we'll manipulate passages like this to have it mean something totally different. Uh, the old Southern Baptists, back in the day, back in the times of um, slavery and even just beyond that, before we had the women's suffrage, suffragette movement, used these passages to try to dominate within a church and dominate women. Um, just using a little bit of history there. And uh, we need to understand that the context of this has nothing to do with any of that. The context of this, if you really look at this very carefully and go back and look at your own studies, in the book of Revelation, after the great white throne judgment, um, the remaining believers, the people who were believers with the Lord on his throne, um, they were being prepared as the bride of Christ. They made up the church, the remaining body of Christ, and they were being prepared as a bride, and Jesus Christ was the groom. This was something that's spoken about in Revelation. So uh, Paul is using a reference that goes directly to how we are to behave as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because the, the, the bride is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ, who is our head, is the groom. So we live in submission to him, understanding that he wants us to be blameless and spotless. And we'll look at this a little bit later on in this passage. This might be the most important part of this section. When we look at what this really represents and what it really means, instead of taking it personally, which is what a lot of people have done over the years, um, 
First, go back and look at this. So start back with verse 21. Submitting to another person is often misunderstood. We got that. It's misunderstood. Submitting does not mean becoming a doormat. Uh, No one is asking any woman and should be asking any woman to live in such a way or encouraging it to live in any way other than uh, being a person who respectfully submits to the husband. But there's also a dual responsibility. So let's continue with this real quick. Christ, at whose name every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, which is referenced in Philippians 2.10, he submitted his will to the Father. He did what the Father had instructed him to do. And so we honor Christ by following his example. So ladies, the example is is that you are going to live in such a way where you're going to submit to your husband because that is exactly what Christ did to honor God himself. That's the first way to look at this. You're doing so in obedience to Christ. So that's why we do it. We do it in obedience to Christ. Uh, Of course, we we want to be obedient to our spouses as well, too, and listen to them. But the primary methodology here, the reasoning here, is for you to submit to your husband because you're being obedient to Christ. And so often, that doesn't happen. And so now we're talking about not just being disrespectful to your spouse, but being disrespectful to God himself because there's a lack of obedience. Paul emphasized the equality of all believers to submit to one another by choice. Wives to husbands and also husbands to wives, which we will look at further down the passage in verse 25. Um, Slaves to masters, masters to slaves. In other words, treating people the right way. This is the thing that we're talking about treating people in the way they deserve to be treated, in in a respectful, human, human way. Um, of course, don't forget children to parents, my goodness, and parents to children. Um, children to parents, what about children who grew up to be adults and now you've got parents? You still need to submit to your parents. You still need to do that, but also when parents get older as well too and they're being cared for by their children, guess what? They are also to submit to the children to allow them to provide the best possible care and and support. It's a mutual mutual submission it preserves order and harmony in the family. The husband and the wife set the example for everyone else. But it increases also love and respect among family members. So the best thing in the world for a, a large family to be able to see is a couple, husband and wife, truly living for Christ. And that just seems to be uh, what permeates through the entire family. People can see that example. And they'll know to live that way and live live in such a way where you're showing that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Okay. We really need to make sure we get this submission thing correctly. And, you know, I'll speak for my wife and I. We submit to each other. We, um, she uh, makes sure that I, she knows that I'm appreciated and makes sure that she knows that what I do is appreciated. And I, in turn, do the same thing. And I think kind words go a long way in showing that you have respect for your spouse. It shows it goes a long way to show others who are looking um, that it's very important for both the husband and the wife to submit. And we'll look at that now in verse 25, starting from that, going back to Ephesians 5, verse 25. 
For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Again, that's back in Revelation. That's in Revelation. If you look at that in chapter 20 and 21, I'm, I'm blacking out where that is. I think it's in one of the two. It's right at the end. Um, but you'll see the bride and the groom come together. Um, and that's what that whole situation is about in Revelation. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Uh, That's what we need to see here. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for for the church. And we are the members, we are members of his body. In Revelation, again, the church is being presented to Jesus Christ at that time without spot or blemish or wrinkle. And it's a glorious church. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in this passage when you when look at again at what verse 27 says. He wants husbands to live in such a way where he is honoring them, loving them in the same way that Christ loves the church. And again, context is everything. Context is everything when we're looking at a passage like this. We need to understand that Jesus Christ desires for his church, which is uh, in many ways uh, has a lot of responsibility and sometimes doesn't live up to that responsibility. The church needs to do a better job of teaching its people and making sure that the word is being conveyed. And of course, that was mentioned early on in Revelation when there were accusations against certain churches because they either lost their love or weren't really following the word the way they were supposed to. But yet at the end of it all, when everything is taking place, when the people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is his church. Those are the church, that is the, those are the church members that he desires to uh, accept as his bride without a spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And we don't have any blemishes or spots because, frankly, we are forgiven of our sins. We have grace because he's extended that to us. So getting back to this about the importance of a wife submitting to a husband, now a husband making sure that the wife knows that she's appreciated, appreciated, um, we need to know how to love them. Men need to know how to love the wives, love the women who are, of course, your brides. I mean, I call my wife my bride because that's the way I truly feel about her. And we've been married 16 years. Um, so that's uh, very important for us to always keep that, keep that knowledge and share that accordingly, too. Now, I'm not telling you this to try to make you look bad, man. I'm just telling you this because this is the way that if you want to make some points with your wife... Start loving her and treating her the right way. <laughs> but do so with sincerity. <laughs> sincerity. <laughs> Make sure that you're doing that uh, in all sincerity. You don't just do it to fake. Um, amen. Uh, remember that. That's really, really important. I mean, she should be the apple of your eye when you, when you first met her and, and married her. So live and act that way. Don't let the world, don't let the world mess you up so much that you stop treating your spouse the way that you should, they should be treated. 
Don't let anything going on in the world make you do something that is going to mistreat your wife. And if you do, apologize. Say something to say, look, I'm, I've been really just overcome with uh, a lot of stuff today, and I apologize for speaking to you in a way that was not appropriate. Um, that's what guys need to do is suck it up and, and make sure that they're doing the right thing. And you're doing it, again, just as a woman, woman submitting to Christ is being obedient to God, Jesus Christ. Wives being loved by their husbands is also being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So a man, how, do you, how does a man love his wife? Well, many ways. He should be willing to sacrifice everything for her. That's one that's very important. He should be, make her well-being of primary importance. If you love your wife, you care about her, help her day by day and make sure that uh, you're doing everything you can to encourage her to take care of herself and make sure that it's recognized. And you say that. We do those very things. I gave a lot of emphasis a couple of weeks ago in a message about taking care of our own bodies, taking care of ourselves. And we need to do that. The men need to do it and the ladies need to do it. And we want to do that for the sole purpose of being able to serve Christ to the best of our ability. Uh, when you're having ailments or afflictions or deals, uh, dealing with things like that, we're not at our best. So we need to make sure that we're focusing on those things. Care for her as he cares for his own body. No wife needs to fear submitting to a man who treats her with love. No man should ever mistreat a woman, and no wife should ever have to fear submitting to her husband if the husband is loving her. Um, so we see that our own pride can get in the way of this if we are not careful. Uh, please pay attention to this. If you want to see some change in your life, pray to the Lord Jesus Christ about this very issue, about making sure that you're treating your spouse with the proper respect and reverence. Just as Christ sacrificed for you and love you, uh, loves you, you need to do the same thing for your spouse. Set the example within your own families. Now, going back to verse 26 about how Christ loved the church, and it refers to how he gave up his own life for her to make her holy and clean. In other words, he gave up his own life on the cross for us uh, because he loved us. And that's the example that husbands should be giving or doing for their wives. Um, his death sanctified and cleansed the church. We are clean because of Jesus Christ. And that's the only reason why we are clean. It's because of Jesus Christ. We are not clean because of our own actions. We are not clean because we say... Uh, a million prayers. We are not clean because uh, of anything other than the fact that Christ, when he died on the cross for us, saved us, gave us eternal life, and cleansed us of all sin that kept us uh, from having fellowship with him. And so we need to understand that that's an ongoing uh, service that he performs for us. Take a look at uh, Hebrews 10.29. I underline this passage because I wanted to show the emphasis here. Um, Hebrews 10.29, and if anybody wants to minimize uh, what Christ did for us, we need to take a look at this passage because uh, without Christ, we, are, we, are, we were doomed. Uh, there's nothing that we could do to have fellowship with him. And this, this verse emphasizes this. Hebrews 10.29, this is the English Standard Version. 
How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? What do you think is waiting for a person who has done those things and has ignored um, the Lord Jesus Christ, ignored his calls through the Holy Spirit to have fellowship with him, um, that's what we need to understand here. So he did all these things for us. Uh, real quick, flip over to Hebrews thirteen twelve. You're in the same book of Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews thirteen twelve. I should say go ahead. This is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And what it's doing is it's showing that he suffered for us. Um, I saw uh, something on, on uh, social media yesterday about, do you think God ever suffers? And the answer is, of course he does. God was an, is an emotional God. He is an emotional God. He certainly was uh, an emotional being uh, when he came to earth. He had emotions. He wasn't a robot. Of course he suffered for us. He suffered for us and suffers for us even now uh, because he doesn't like to see all the sin in our lives. He doesn't like to see things happening where we are losing fellowship uh, with him. It says in Hebrews 13, 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And that's referring to what happens with sacrifices back in the Old Testament. Uh, The sacrifices were performed outside the gate of the church, outside the gate of the temple. Um... So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood, the blood sacrifice of Christ. So Christ cleansed the church by the washing of baptism. And through baptism, we are prepared for entrance into the church. And so we need to understand that that's what baptism represents as well, too. By acknowledging a new life, uh, we, uh, the things that were on us are being washed away. We are, uh, it represents uh, death and burial and resurrection. Um, and we need to understand that that's what it's all about. So there was a washing that takes place. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. We were washed by the cleansing of, his, of God's word. By his blood, his crimson blood, he made us white as snow. And that's the representation that we need to see here. Um, it's God's word that cleanses us. Take a look real quick at John seventeen seventeen. God's word cleanses us. John seventeen seventeen. Um, now I'm a big believer in sometimes looking at opportunities for memory verses. John seventeen seventeen is one of them because it's got two seventeens there, so you remember exactly where it is for one thing, and it's a very short passage. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is a prayer. This is during the midst of a prayer that Jesus made uh, to God right before he was going to be taken into custody. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Who is he praying for? He's praying for us. He's praying for believers. He's praying for those people who believe in him. And so he's praying for us and making sure that this is all before he died on the cross now, so he is also giving an appeal to God himself to sanctify us because of your of his word. 
And so we need to understand that that's what's happening here. And one more passage, Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. And this is what we need to understand about God's goodness. Um, he did all these things voluntarily. He did these things because he truly loves us. And it's important for us to see this here. Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, that's exactly what it, that's a reason to give him praise and just say hallelujah. Because of everything he's done. That's why you, that's why you're joyful. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do is to remind you of God's goodness. Remind you of his goodness through Jesus Christ. That's where you just need to understand that he is worthy of our praise because of what he did for us. And I, I just can't stress enough how important it is for us to have the right mindset. Now, the days are evil, yes. The times we're living in are evil, yes. Because Paul spoke of it back then, and guess what? Of course, it applies today. But that doesn't mean it should be. you should be beaten down with whatever evil is occurring in life. You need to be bolstered up and strengthened and recognize that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one that strengthens us and gives us what we need. Okay, on the home stretch here. Down to verse 31 in the passage of Ephesians 5. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Look at the emphasis here at the end of this passage in chapter 5 of Ephesians. And of course, if you go back and remember that that part where it says about the father and mother joined to his wife and the two are united into one, of course, that's referenced in Scripture also. And then there's a merging of family when the two become one. And of course, the very first relationship, Adam and Eve, was exactly that same way. Um, the union and of a husband and wife merges two persons in a way that little can affect without also affecting the other. Uh, there's a oneness in marriage. You ever you hear that? Oneness in marriage? The husband and wife. It really helps if your wife is your best friend in the world. Let's start there. If your wife is the best friend you have in the world, then you've got the best you can possibly have in your life as a as a companion as an encourager, as a person who is uplifting. Um, so I would trust that if you're married to your spouse, that spouse is your best friend ever, best friend in the world, where you can say anything to that person. You can live in such a way. You can be as crazy and kooky as you want to be, and they might look at you a little bit and uh, think you're strange, but they still love you for who you are. Uh, goodness knows I go through that all the time. So... <laughs> So we want to make sure that you recognize that oneness. Um, it basically means you get everything that you have here. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, But that's important for a husband and a wife to understand those very things. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Um, but uh, 
you you lose your personality a little bit and you and the other person loses their personality so instead of just the the flesh always creeping up you just start to back away and and just be who you are you know before that person and and that, that it's very important your wife should be able to vent to you as a husband if something is bothering her and the husband should be able to vent to the wife uh, that something's not good with him and be able to share those things. And that's what communication is all about. Uh, at least uh, communication sometimes has to be, it always has to be good communication. It may not be pleasant, but it should be good communication. It should be consistent communication. That's what this oneness is all about. You don't have that relationship with anyone else other than your, your spouse. Um, and, and even when we say we have best friends outside of uh, the husband and wife, they can indeed be best friends and share things with each other, but there's nothing like your spouse. Your spouse is the one who should be your best friend. It means caring for your spouse as you care for yourself. You learn to anticipate what their needs are. You help the other person to become all that he can she, or she can be. In other words, the husband should always help the wife to encourage them to be the best they can be, and the wife should always encourage the husband to also be the best that he can be. And that's and when I say encourage, I also mean not badger. Uh, there is a big difference. Uh, we understand that. We don't badger people. Badgering, badgering is what the world does, okay? Badgering is what people do in the world in their flesh. We don't, we don't want to do those things, and we shouldn't have to. Explain badgering. Badgering? Uh, just berating, you know, just saying things that more berate than uplift. Things that are, are more, when you're, when you're, constantly picking at somebody all the time that's badgering that's what that's what that is we don't that's not the way to live that's not the way to do things and and i think i think we all know that i, I honestly we this is nothing that we don't uh we are in any way shape or form um uh, unaware of we know these things so we need to understand that we want to make sure that uh, we are living in a way that is edifying jesus christ in our uh, family and spousal relationships. The creation story tells of God's plan that the husband and wife should be one. That was back in Genesis 2:24. That's where that is about the husband, um, the man leaving his father and mother, being joined to his wife. And so, this is also the plan as it's referred to as well too. Um, the two shall be one, come one flesh. That is a, indeed a great mystery. It is something that we, I don't think we have the capability of understanding that. Uh, that's why. Uh, Paul says it's a great mystery. He's saying it himself. But it still shows an illustration. What's the important thing here? That Christ and the church are one. That's what we need to understand here. Jesus Christ and his bride is the church. The church, Christ and the church are one. And that's how we need to live. That's what we need to understand here. Uh, go look in Revelation and you'll see what I'm referring to um, when you get past... Uh, the area of the great, I'm pretty sure it's past the great white throne judgment, the great throne judgment where Satan and uh, uh, the serpent are tossed into the, uh, 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 the, the fire. And then you'll see about the, the, the bride and the groom. And that's really, really important for us to understand. So this is part of God's plan. This is part of what he wants for us when it comes to this unity. This unity now we've covered uh, in this chapter uh, within the church, within families, and now with couples. So if you don't have a unified couple, you're not going to have a unified family, and you're not going to have a uni unity in the body of Christ either. 
Others may not know what's going on in your family, but that's still not unity uh, because you're not bringing everything directly to the Lord to fix those issues. So that's what we need to see here. And praise the Lord for his word today. Uh, it's just been phenomenal. Um, the wife has to love her as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Verse 33 emphasizes and makes it a closing point in this chapter about what when he repeats himself and says these are things that husbands and wives must do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for how you just continue to bolster us up and encourage us. We thank you for your very presence this morning. We thank you for how you affirm us when we do what is good. And we thank you also for how you chastise us when we know we are not doing what we should. Because you desire to have a relationship with us. You desire to have ongoing fellowship with us throughout the entire day. Because that's how much you love us. That's the kind of relationship you want us to have. And we just thank you, Lord, that you set these examples for us. And we can live those examples out on a daily basis. We thank you for the reminders of how to live in joy in spite of what's going on in the world. To live joyfully. To treat others respectfully and lovingly. To live in such a way where we are living for you. We thank you again for those reminders for those of us who are married about how to treat our spouses. We thank you for continuing to show us that you truly do intend to be with us as a groom and bride and take us as a church when we leave this place. We just thank you for just the reinforcement and the teaching. Bless us and keep us, O oh Lord, as we move forward. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to make sure to um, make a couple of quick announcements that as a reminder to please uh, stay tuned with us after the service for the uh, the message for today. Things can only get better, a rather unorthodox message, but a, a very good one um, and proof that you can uh, put anything uh, into a sermon if it comes to you as inspiration from the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's coming up. You get to look at that. And I want to also give a reminder, too, that uh, there's a birthday boy in the house somewhere that uh, has a birthday coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Gus Brown's birthday is tomorrow. Please remember um, to just say uh, happy birthday to Pastor Gus and remember him and, and keep him in prayer for his strength and energy. Um, I'm sure he's doing great and he's going to do even better in 2021. Uh, but uh, tomorrow's his birthday, so please remember that and say happy birthday to him. God bless you all. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, of course, if you have any questions or comments, please go back. If you want to look this over once again, uh, this uh, particular uh, session, and we'll be happy to answer any questions or comments you might have about it. Uh, stay tuned again for uh, Things Can Only Get Better uh, on the same timeline here on Akron Alliance Fellowship's Facebook page. God bless you all. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you next time.